Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm Dan Bennett. I'm joined as ever by West London Sports Ian McCullough and former QPR striker Kevin Gallen. Obviously, the football started again, so we do have a game to talk about, unfortunately, for uh, for you guys. But uh, obviously, the big news come out on uh, on Sunday night after the game that QPR had confirmed the appointment of Neil Critchley as a new head coach. Um, so, Kev, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the appointment? Are you quite happy with it? Do you think it's quite a sensible one? I mean, it was kind of, I guess, the obvious one to go for wasn't he given he's sort of similar kind of background to Beal with obviously we spoke on the last podcast about maybe being a good idea to get someone in who's got quite a similar background and you know he's out of work obviously after leaving Aston Villa so I mean what what are your thoughts on uh, on Critchley? Yeah I don't really know much about him I know you do uh, Dan because he was manager of your team um, I do but obviously done well at Blackpool got promoted and done pretty well last season and then he left to be assistant, which was kind of a bit of a strange mood, uh, move if you want to be a number one, to be a number one. Uh, you don't know what is going on behind the scenes and with chairmen and stuff regarding budgets and are they going to back him, whatever. So we don't know the ins and outs of what happened. Um, but it's a bit of a continuity um, appointment. It's got a similar sort of academy background, but more experience than Mike McBeal had regarding being a manager so he was sort of the favorite from day one really and and they've obviously got the man they wanted um obviously they probably looked into this in october when the rumors that um mcbill was going to wall so they probably mm-hmm. had a short list up anyway so yeah we'll have to wait and see um i wish him all the best um you know, he's coming into a team. I think one point in six games. Is it? Is it one goal in six games? Or was that? I believe two? so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a struggling. The form wise, is um, a team that is really struggling, but there's potential to win matches 
with the players QPR have got. So we all wish them all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Ian, what are your thoughts on Critchley? You quite happy with it? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, just people Kev said really, it's sort of a a sensible appointment on you know the outset. Um, again, I don't know too much about it outside of what he did at uh, Blackpool. Um, I think if you're looking for a kind of seed of encouragement, um, what he did with Josh Bowler, Josh Bowler left QPR, obviously went to Everton, had two loan spells at Hull, didn't pull up any trees whatsoever there, and then um, he signed him at Blackpool and turned him into one of the most exciting players in the championship. So, you know, if you're looking at that from a form guide, that's encouraging for, you know, the likes of the Willicks and the Chairs and other young players that QPR have. Um, I think it's really important to have someone that knows the championship. Um, has played against QPR as a manager, so sort of knows the players from, you know, analysis and studying what QPR do well and what they do badly in in matches. So that 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 helps him sort of almost hit the ground running a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're bringing in someone from abroad or someone from a lower league that hasn't been in the championship, that's an acclimatisation period they'd need. So he doesn't need that. He can um, come in um, straight away. He's, you know, facing a, a tough test at, at Preston, a team that are going really well at the moment, away from home. But he'll know all about them. So, yeah, so I think you look at it from that, that respect. It's... It's a good decision. Um, again, personality-wise, Kev will probably touch on this when he speaks about it again. That it's like what we said about Bill. It's man management again. What's he like with players? Are they going to buy in quickly to what he is? He seems um, from watching his interview yesterday. I've never never met the man, so I don't. I, don't, I can't speak about what he's like personality-wise. But he seems a bit more reserved, a bit, mm. a bit more softly spoken. Um, you know, Bill very loquacious, very kind of very different character to to Mick Bill, and you you could even argue that managers that have done well at QBR are more kind of outgoing personalities. So you, you need to buck a trend a little bit there, but let's just see how he goes, eh? Um, give him a chance, and um, I mean, they haven't paid any compensation for him for his services. There'll be a bit of conversation for his assistant managers. I'm led to believe, but yeah. They'd come in. That was, I think, was the delay in getting it confirmed before the um, uh, the who was it Burnley game. Um, was that bad? Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, Lincoln had a game at the weekend, so they probably didn't want to yeah. disrupt Lincoln's preparations, getting over the line. So, and you know, the usual red herring come out about Gareth Ainsworth on the Friday. That was never. That was never a non-starter. Yeah, that was um, a strange one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's when people cloud. People being considered and being in, actually going to get the job are two different, complete, two completely different things. If you've got a short list of twenty people, they're all in consideration, aren't they? So yeah, you feel like it'll always be on the list. The story wasn't incorrect saying he's in consideration, but him getting the job was, was never going to happen. I mean, serious consideration, in, wasn't it? Regarding what taking the game on against Burnley on Sunday, and I've, I've known managers who, you know, won't. I mean, it would have been, you know, if they had announced the management him as manager before the game, you know, the atmosphere might have went up a little bit and there'd be more of a mm. buzz. But knowing managers like I do, they don't if they haven't worked with the with the team beforehand, they don't want to put their name just in case they lose the first game and then they're on the back foot, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So that, I mean he probably put, could have been the manager on Sunday, but 
you know, tough game against Burnley, top of the league. He's probably thinking, I don't want to, you know, uh, my reputation or my record already without really doing any work with the team to go mm. in and lose the game. And I'm one, I'm one and oh against. So I think that's why, you know, they, they did it straight after the game and, uh, and go forward now to the game on Saturday against Preston. Yeah, well, it's just sensible, isn't it? Like putting Paul in charge, who's worked with the team all week, whereas, you know, Critchley comes in and he's not worked with the team at all in training. It would be pretty harsh to throw him straight into it, like you say, and make him manage when he hasn't worked with the players at all. So it's, you know, probably makes sense to give him a full week in training going into the next game. But yeah, I mean, I've got some thoughts on Critchley, obviously, from him, his time at, uh, at Blackpool, I wrote a piece for um for the West London Sport website, which you can go and read, where I tried to sort of summarise everything that I sort of um the main things that I've learned about Critchley, obviously from his time at Blackpool. And to be honest, I you know I've got not nothing but good things to say about him. Really, I mean, he took Blackpool up from League One through the playoffs, despite a really difficult start to the season, and then stabilised a squad which, on paper, you'd probably would have back to be in the relegation trouble that season to 16th I think it was like 23 points or something like that clear of relegation so we were never really in danger of going down that season and he did a fantastic job but yeah if I touch on what you said there Ian about the um his character I think those are the, that's the main difference between him and Beal obviously there's very much like a view of him as like a continuity guy because of their similar background you know he's an academy coach he's worked at, at Liverpool as well but in terms of the way they both come across, he comes across very differently to Beal. You know, he's um, he's a lot more reserved. He's softly spoken. He's quite quiet. And I can't ever really remember him at Blackpool, like losing his temper too much and really going after the team after a performance. Whereas we look back at Mick Beal's um, post-match stuff from earlier in the year when he was at QPR and there was probably three or four that he really expressed his frustration, didn't he? I'm thinking of Huddersfield as the main one where he really went after the team mm -hmm. and the set-piece defending. doesn't matter what the staff are asking the players to do. If they don't want to go and attack the ball and they don't want to be around second phases, then we're not going to win football matches. Couldn't imagine Critchley ever really doing that. So they are quite different personalities and I think the players will probably have, yeah, I think they'll be. it'll be different in terms of who's in charge and the way they communicate and the way they come across. I think that will be quite different, but there are a lot of similarities between both in that they've worked with young players before and they're academy coaches. And I think that obviously... The remit and the job description hasn't changed much in a, in a few months since Beal took over. So that will be a big part of his job as well, I think, is trying to help these young lads come on. And, um, you know, not just for the results on the pitch, either for the other side of it, you know, that QPR need to to sell players to, to you know, continue as a club and to be successful. So I think that will be a big part of his job as well. And, you know, you know look at the likes of Chris Willock and Ilias Cherry, who are having really good seasons under Beal and hopefully he can continue that. But, I think his main strength is like he he like when he came to Blackpool, it really like didn't start well for him. Obviously, he had like two games and then the season got curtailed because of the um the pandemic. So it was a bit weird. He was like for months he was just our manager, but obviously he couldn't really do any work because there was no football on. But you look at that the the first season, full season he went into, and we got some like made some really good signings for League One, and I think we only won one of our first seven games. And he was playing like this 4-3-3 and it was quite open and attacking and it just wasn't working basically. And then he switched to a 4-4-2 with a big man and Gary Medine up top, which obviously you don't see very much. It's not very fashionable, fashionable, but he decided to do it and it paid off massively and he never really looked back. So he's very pragmatic. And he said in his interview with the club yesterday that 
he doesn't really he's not going in with like a way of system he wants to play you know I mean we see often quite managers go in and they I'm going to play this way and then it ends up costing them their jobs because they refuse to change whereas he's not that person I don't think he'll be scared to change so I think it's, it's an exciting appointment to be honest like obviously it's, it's not a massive amount to go off because he only had two years at Blackpool and then obviously it was there's that blot on his um CV I guess like you touched on there Kev which is like he went to Aston Villa obviously we don't know the reasons why but it was quite a weird move at the time because Gerard was under pressure anyway going into that season. So it's not like you know he was, it was there was it was a massive risk to go in there and obviously it didn't pay off for him and he got lost a job after three months. But I think based on his time at Blackpool and the job he did there, it's hopefully if he can continue that sort of uh, the record he had there, it would be a really exciting appointment. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on Critchley or should we move on to to Burnley? Yeah, I think you know the fact that he worked at Liverpool. Um, you know, someone like Jurgen Klopp entrusted him to take the the team in the that is it the Carling Cup? Yeah, it was because they had some involved Europe, in something else. I, mean, I, yeah. I, know, I know, I know, it was fundamentally his team in twenty under mm. twenty three in Liverpool. But even so, you, you know, if you're working alongside someone as revered in the game as Jurgen Klopp, then you you got to have something about you to be trusted to to do that. Um, so we shall see. I mean, I think. I mean, do you think Kev that will give him because he's come from Liverpool and worked at Villa, albeit briefly, and worked with Steven Gerrard? Do you think that will will, will kind of cut any ice with the players? Sort of and a big club in Blackpool as well, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I, I just believe it will be based on his personality and the way he treats the players and and his his demeanour. And the way he goes around the training ground, just speaking with the players. And that's the main thing. If you get players on side, if you're honest with them and you're truthful, players will, will, will want to work, will want to run for you, want to work for you. Um, I don't really know much about him. He is, uh, from, I, I see his uh, interview and he's, he is a different, he's a bit more softly uh, spoken, mm. a bit more reserved. But that might be just something he does with the press. He might be completely different on a training ground on a match day. We don't know that yet. So it's all wait and see. He's got a week to to work with the players and he'll, he'll obviously know some of the players uh, from last season playing against QPR. But he'll also be probably watching videos of recent games and games when we were playing really well to get a flavour of what sort of type of football and what uh, system that we're going to play. <clears throat> But uh, I was I, I quite like what he did say, and you said it there, Dan. That he's gonna play what he believes is the best system that he can get results out of from the players instead of yeah. I'm playing this way. Where hold on, that don't suit our players. So I think um, it's a really interesting appointment. Uh, the QBR need to get back on track mm. quick because it's a tough game. At Preston, I watched a little bit of their game against uh, Blackburn on uh, Saturday, and they were very impressive against a decent uh, Blackburn team. They absolutely steamrolled them. So, really tough game. Need to get something out of it and stop the rot. Yeah, because Kev, you probably have managers that you worked under that come in with like a specific idea. Like he said in his interview, he's got like principles of way the way he wants to play, and they won't change. But in terms of like the system he plays, that that can change. But yeah, I'm sure you probably have managers that come in with a specific idea and are quite reluctant to change, right? And it sometimes it goes against the team, doesn't it? Sometimes when they're when you're saying we're going to play this system, and you look at the squad and you're like, well, 
if we played this system, we'd we'd probably get better results, you know. Yeah, but there, any any decent manager will will assess the team, will assess the players, and say, well, this is the best way they're playing to play. I mean, I think there was a case on Sunday to in the second half to go a bit more direct against um, Burnley because they dominated the midfield and we couldn't get the ball off them. So yeah. I was very surprised at half-time that Sinclair Armstrong didn't come on, went 4-4-2 and just put the ball in behind and put them under a bit of pressure because I thought at that time that's what needed to get the crowd back on side and, yeah. and create a little bit of an atmosphere because it was very flat. If that's what's needed in a match, hopefully uh, Critchley will do that um, because there ain't there's different ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to win games. Can't always be pretty. You know, I mean, we watched the World Cup the other day, and you got the the, the purveyors of total football in Holland mm. not playing well. Stick on two six foot five centre forwards and just put the ball in the box mm. and cause havoc. And that's right, Holland. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I loved it. That's what's was needed. If you can't beat a team who are better technically and are better at keeping the ball, I mean, you don't go to Man City if you're. Blackpool and try and outplay them, Dan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, a good example of that on a lower scale is like last season. And, you know, obviously Swansea aren't Man City, but in terms of the way they play with the possession, it's like we he knew that we weren't going to outplay Swansea in terms of possession. And I think in that game, off the top of my head, they probably had about 70, 75% of the ball and we had, you know, 25, 30%, whatever. We won 1 0 from a goal from a set piece. I put it in my article as well. Gary Medine at the back post, Heather, and he come out after and said, yeah, you know, the gaffer said that they were weak at the back post and set pieces and we worked on it in training. And it's like little things like that. He's really good at identifying weaknesses in the opposition and then working on them. And, you know, he's not he's not like a snob in the sense that he's like, oh, we have to play passing, attacking football. I mean, he tried to do that at first at Blackpool and it didn't really work. Like we played quite a lot of long ball up to Gary Medine and, you know, got runners off him and things like that and pace out wide and, couple of sort of central midfielders that were more defensive and like ball winning type players rather than um offensive minded so he's he's showing at Blackpool like he's got a tendency to mix it up and he he will change things if it's not working so and I think the exciting thing as well is like he showed at Blackpool that he could like really organize a team out of possession and defensively to play really well like we we were the best defensive team in league one that season when we went up and in the championship like we didn't play the, the most exciting football. We didn't score a lot of goals, but we kept games tight, you know, a lot of nil nil nils, one ones, one nil wins, sort of thing. And and that's what that's what we needed for that, uh, for, for a club who just come up from League One. But it will be interesting to see like how he adapts to QPR, obviously, because the squad is a lot better than the one he had at Blackpool. And QPR are going into games more often as favourites. So it's like will he, you know, it's a bit of a different task, isn't it, to the one he had at Blackpool, I think. But I mean, just on the personality and the character side of things, Kev. Like, obviously, like I said, we don't know what it's like behind closed doors. But have you um, worked with managers who are a little bit more reserved, a bit quieter? And does that is it like a weakness or anything, or like in your experience? Because obviously, we kind of associate the best managers with, often with being ones that are, you know, ranting and raving, like people like Alex Ferguson and stuff like that. You know, does it does it matter really in today's day and age? Do you think? Um, I think I think it's a little bit different. I think players are a lot softer. They need more of an arm round their shoulders. I mean, obviously, uh, from looking back at my QPR days, Jerry Francis didn't really speak much to the players, really. You could approach him and talk to him, but it wasn't like an Ian Holloway who 
really he couldn't stop talking. So one of them who was really, <laughs> you know, talk, yeah. talk. So it's different, different, you know, Jerry was very clever. He'd get these better players and arm around their shoulders and stuff, talk to them and G them up and tell them how great they were and how much he needed them. And um, <clears throat> where in Holloway would probably leave the better players alone and would be talking to the sort of the le lesser better players to get them going. So different ways, but it'd be, I, I don't know uh, this Critchley that well. And uh, it did, does come across more quiet and reserved, but it'd be interesting to see in the next month or so. I mean, first thing he's got to do, in my opinion, is is get um, Chris Woolock on side because for some reason on Sunday, that's, that's mm. the worst thing Chris Woolock played probably for QPR. And it but wasn't... half-time, obviously. It wasn't because... Um, look, you can have bad games and make mistakes, and but it was sort of a little bit of a lack of effort and uh, a, a sort of not really. I'm not, it just didn't. It didn't seem it, as interested as he should have been. And so, and look, he's our best attacking player. There's no doubt about it. He needs to get him on side very quick, very quick. Mm. Just on Burnley, Kev. Then I mean, I had you look back on it. It just seemed like it was one of those games where I mean, Burnley were just comfortable, weren't they? Throughout the whole thing, obviously you can look at the. First minute when George Thomas arguably could have had a penalty and then the free kick that wasn't a free kick. You know, Jack Cork gets up and he's saying, that, you know, he's thinking he's going to get booked for diving probably and he's telling the ref that it's not a free kick. And then they score from that. So there are they're little things like that. Well, not little, but things like that that went against QPR. But overall, you look at the game as a whole and it's just easy for Burnley, wasn't it? It came, allowed to play their football, pass, they were passing those short passing and then switching it over to the other side where the space was and just didn't get near him, did they? Very, it's very often in the last maybe two years or last season and this season where at QPR at home get sort of dominated possession-wise by mm. the by the opposition, and that was the case on um, on Sunday. We didn't get close enough. We didn't put them under pressure. When we did <clears throat> go long up to Lyndon Dykes, now I don't know whether the plan was for the centre half of Burnley to let him win it, but he did win it. But they picked up every second ball. He was basically, no one was around him and, and he was just flicking it on to their centre-halves who then started off another attack for them. Um, no doubt they were the better team. Even if we'd have got the penalty, you don't know whether you go 1-0 up and then you hate. I don't think we would have won that game if we would have scored the penalty in the first minute. I really don't. I think they were, they dominated us so much. Um I go on. Chris Willock was well out of sorts. I, I don't know what the reason was, and the team selection was very dubious. I mean, George Thomas hasn't played a game really. Started a game for the season, I believe. I mean, he started a few back end of last season, didn't he? When it was all going wrong and so, Mark was just trying new things, but yeah, he's like barely played, has he at all? Even so off the to, bench to make that sort of decision, I thought was a strange one as well. Mm. I mean, we spoke. Didn't we in on the phone yesterday just having a chat about the game and you like you were saying it just like how often did they put a ball in for Lyndon Dykes? Like I can't even yeah, remember thought, a situation thought, where they did it. It was just it was a display going back to that era before Christmas two years ago in lockdown when Warburton was really under pressure. I think you reminded me a lot of the Swansea game on Boxing Day. Um that year where they just um it looked to be to be honest, it oh, I wasn't working Sunday, I was there as a as a punter and um, I was annoyed by it because I had a friend over from Australia and I got him tickets for the match and 
you know, they phone in a display like that. I thought they looked like a team that hadn't been coached all week, to be honest. There was no game plan. I think um, I think they really miss Rob Dickey. I think when you're playing a direct team, Jimmy Dunn should be in the side, but Rob Dickey gets the ball and brings it out the fence and gives you that option. There was no one bringing the ball out. Uh, they couldn't start anything. If you, I watched a reserve game against or friendly against Livingston the other week and the best player on the part was uh, Taylor Richards. He didn't even come on. You know, picking the ball up, creating stuff. Um, George Thomas. He and, played well in the game against, um, I've forgotten who it was now. He he's really come on. On. You yes, know, yeah, he yeah. Got he played really well, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Um, George Thomas, you know, I, 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 made, I, I tweeted someone out about it, he's not been in the side. And I, I feel a bit bad for him because he's such a nice lad. He's a really, really good fella. Really, you know, one of the nicest blokes in the squad and you kind of want him to do well, but... It works so hard as well. Big ask him credit. to start. He started, Kev said he hasn't started, I think, since a Charlton game in the Cup. You know, and he gets hooked at half-time, which sort of, you know, has nothing to do with his confidence anymore. Um, but I just thought that the two centre-backs, you know, I mean, I mean, shortly after the penalty shout, which I can see what the ref didn't give the penalty. Some days you get it, some days you don't. But the ball straight through the middle and um, he should have scored that, really. Um, yeah, definitely. That was just players running through the middle you're like wow um you know, i thought dazelle and ruben were poor um yeah, it was just an, it was just bad it was just you know, the atmosphere was flat i don't know if that's because of the, the football the night before poor excuse if it is but i can sort of understand why people it's cold there's no new time of a new manager it just was flat these tenants i think it's pretty... a mixture of all those weren't it they all contributed yeah, it, all that. it just felt from the off it was cold and you know you could see ethan laird going around trying to get the crowd going but it was nothing really to get excited about but i will say though you won't see three better finishes than that this season that free kick was it wasn't a free kick and you know i don't know what the ref was doing obviously he's in charge it's my decision the player saying i didn't it wasn't fouled he's still giving the free kick that's a very yeah. odd. It was a magnificent free kick, really good. And then you know the second goal. That's a that was right in front of me. That was a top top finish, really. Really. You know, and, and then and then the mistake at the end. You know, it, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. But you give the give the guy. Um, yeah, the finish. Finish. It was a magnificent yeah. finish. But, but I mean, Senny again. He's sat. On, he's been sat on the bench for a month. He looked. He looked off. He looked, didn't look at his best either. And everyone was just out of sorts. And it just kind of. You know, they, they know they, the team's been picked by a manager who's not going to be their manager. It's all a bit sort of disjointed and one to forget, mm. really. But they you, need to you feel on. like they they would have known who was coming in at that point. Like maybe there was a bit of a come on, we got to impress a new guy. Do you know, there just wasn't that. Yeah, was I mean, they make, the players make all the right noises, don't they? Oh, you know, we're focused and this and that. We're not going to let it affect us. The manager going, oh yada yada yada. But it's obviously did. it definitely did. Yeah, of course it did. Um, and the uncertainty of whether he's going to be there or he's not going to be there. It's you know, this is a team that went to Watford and played very well and won. Beach Sheffield United away were excellent, winning away at Millwall. You know, and you, you can't get away from it since the uncertainty about whether Mick Bill is going or staying from that Wolves until he actually departed. Then your performances have dipped. You can't get away from it. There's got to be a there's got to be a correlation as to why that is. So new manager needs to come in. I mean, from what you're saying, he's very good at planning a team to face the opposition and what they're good at and what can negate their strengths because that yeah. certainly wasn't the case on on sunday that was a team that was just put out to play against burnley and burnley pretty much did what they wanted to do there's no 
play out the back. It was easy for them, easy. And Rangers haven't really. It's been a while since Rangers have been bossed like that. I mean, they were against Fulham at home last year, and they were against Sheffield United, but they were teams that were injury ravaged. So you kind of give them a pass, but that was players were missing. But by and large, that was a reasonably, you know, strong team. And yeah, they never got going. And um, as Kev said, they, I've never seen Dykes win so many headers. He's knocking the ball down, but there's no one there. So, you know, Dykes will always get blamed whenever Rangers don't play well. But I don't see what more he could have done. And, you know, there wasn't a single cross in the box. I mean, you watched the England game on Saturday. What won the game? A brilliant cross in the box and a good centre forward getting his head to it and scoring. That's, I don't think Dykes had a single cross that came his way. And, I can't remember the only, the only goal he scored this season, uh, no, not this, sorry, not this season, but in this this horrible run of form they're in, was that game against Huddersfield. And what was it? A low cross into the six-yard box. That's what he wants. And that's what he scores goals from. But, you know, you can stick whoever you want up front, but you've got to give them some service. And there wasn't any service. And, um, yeah, he's, we always say, it has been said that, you know, he's coming into a situation which is quite good, critically, the foundations are there and that, but he is almost coming into a side that's in relegation form at the moment, the way they're playing at the moment. So he's got a bit of work to do on his hands. Um, and hopefully, you know, they're a better team with Stefan Johansson in it. Hopefully he's back fit for Saturday. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I'd like to see Dickie back in the team. I thought Dickie was good against Coventry a few weeks ago. Um, I think when QPR are good, Dickie is usually in the side. Um, I, I think you should. Personally, I think you should always play. I think they're better with him in the team. But, um, but yeah, we'll see what he does Saturday. Yeah, I think um, Clive from Loft for Words signed up quite well. He tweeted there was like a Burnley training session for a lot of the game, which I was like, yeah, it was. It was just so easy for them. And I was thinking about that clip with Roy Keane when he says, I can't remember who United were playing against, Man United, but he says like, I might, I might just smash into somebody just to make me feel better. Do you know what? What I might do is I, I might smash into somebody just to make me feel better. Do you know what I mean? He kind of mm. wanted that. And there was a couple of times where, like, Dazelle suddenly got up for it and he went into a challenge. And then, like, when mm. Burnley scored the second goal, Jimmy Dunn's going over and grabbing the ball off him. And he's, like, just trying to get up for it a bit. But mm. it was, like, it happened a little bit. And then it was just back down to the, to the, um, to the normal level, to the usual level in that game, which was just Burnley dominating. So, yeah, really disappointing. Thanks for listening to part one of this podcast. We'll be back later in the week with part two ahead of the Preston game on Saturday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.